You're listening to World Talk Radio. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the star you are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at be the star you are.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, hello, party partners. Welcome to Radio's Finest Hour of Power. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with positive, affirmative authors and experts. I am Cynthia Bryan, and I am here to help you excel in life, to live, to love, to laugh, and to learn. We are a show about following your heart, doing what you love. And as we do every week, we have a stellar broadcast for you today, starting off with the International Business Authority, Ron Cruz, who will just blow us away with his book, Lies, Bribes, and Peril, about the real challenges and the lessons learned in working globally. And then staying with our worldly theme, Naveen Salvadi's life has taken her from the Middle East to Europe, back to America and beyond. And along her journey, she wrote the book, Calm Passion. She'll be in our second segment. And in our third part of the hour, we're going to meet teenage contributor to the new book, Be the Star You Are for Teens, Danny Wong, who will be talking about the gift of faith. So sit back. Enjoy our fabulous edutainment. Well, if you want to know how the world of international business works, you have only to pick up a copy of Ron Cruz's new book, Lies, Bribes, and Peril, Lessons for the Real Challenges of International Business. Not only will you learn the lessons of the global deals, but you're going to be hitchhiking on an adventure with a real-life Indiana Jones. He is president and CEO of Loginex International, which is a transportation company that helped rebuild Afghanistan, Iraq, and other countries, as well as doing humanitarian work around the world. Ron is with us, and I am excited to have him here. Welcome, Ron, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Well, thank you, Cynthia. Very, uh, very good to be with you. Well, I'm so excited to have you on. I, I told Debbie that I don't know how we're going to get through this book in the short time we have together because it was so exciting, a total page-turner. It's one of these books, Ron, that when I got to the end, I wanted to read it again. And that doesn't happen very often because I have yeah, to read so I'm many books. you loved it, that's but for sure. You have built uh, three international businesses around the world. You started as a young, adventurous 20-something, I think you were 26, kind of unaware of all the cultural disparities that were going to be awaiting you in your globe trotting. Could you start at the beginning? You got out of school. You got this great job, uh, you know, in uh, transportation, and you were in for a rude awakening. Well, I was. Um, as I started traveling, uh, as I said, as you mentioned, I was really in my mid-20s, and I started doing a lot of traveling to different countries and, and of course, uh, was aware of the different cultures, but I wasn't initially aware of of what that impact might be on on certainly my success and my endeavors. And so what I tried to do in the book was kind of lay out um, how uh, these same types of events, which eventually would form my lessons, kept occurring to me 
as I would tell people, is as I was developing a flat side or a spot on the side of my head where I kept getting whacked by a two-by-four. Well, you know, I, I, the first story that just really hit me, of course, was Omar's dog tale about a very dead dog in Saudi Arabia. Would you just tell a little bit about this? Because, you know, until I read this book, I had no idea that dogs were not pets in this part of the world. Well, no, and actually it goes to part of one of the uh, uh, pillars of Islam, and, and that is, is that basically it's, it's thought that... Uh, uh, an angel will not go into a room where a dog is. Consequently, they don't they don't view dogs as as objects of affection or, or pets, certainly as we do. So even though you had this terrific uh, person who was you know a really great guy working with you, uh, Omar did not. It was a cultural difference of when this dog died. He didn't have any compassion for the owner's sadness. In fact, it was beyond him to understand it. And this is. This was a recurring theme throughout your travels, was this disparity in our cultural understandings of one another and some of the things that we hold dear in, you know, our respective, our, our respective lands. It, exactly. And just like with Omar, Omar was a prince of a fellow, but in, in the culture that he was raised in, he was Sudanese, they, they didn't view dogs as, as objects of affection. And, I, and when... You know, we were doing a favor for this family, and when the dog was dead, he thought that the biggest object was to actually clear the dog through customs because that was his job. And, of and course, he was so proud of the fact that he actually got a dead dog through customs because and, and I, evidently difficult. that's a very difficult thing to do in an Arab country yes. or a Muslim country. So, and he would never have meant to hurt anybody's feelings. And it was, as, as I uh, talk about in the book, is, is that what happens is, is that unless you're armed with these lessons, the ordinary can go to the bazaar so quickly, and you don't know what happened. You know, there the, the Joneses were trying to figure out, and of course, why other people were there just kind of watching this evolve, going, oh, no, that's right. The cultural chasm here is... <laughs> right. Well, and this is... I like the way that you laid out the book, Ron, because at the end of many of the chapters, you have a cultural snapshot, which gives more information sort of into the, the, the language, the logic, the thinking process of the people. I mean, even to the fact of, you know, being in a restaurant and, and coughing because a guy next to you is smoking a big stogie, and he doesn't, it doesn't even, it's like, hey, your problem, you're sitting here. The wind, not my problem, the wind is blowing your way. Right, <laughs> right. Exactly what he said. Well, you know, um, besides all the business tips that are in here, and you probably want to talk about those, but there were so many crazy things that happened and, and also funny things, and one of them was your Maasai guide taking you to see the hippos are asking if you wanted to go to the river to see the hippos, and you hike this long way. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as it starts turning sunset, he starts running, and you don't know why he's running, and he tells you, you have to run because the lions come out at sunset. But again, that this whole misinterpretation where it didn't even, why wasn't he looking at the time? Why didn't you go earlier to the river? It wouldn't have been something that, unless you had experienced it, you would have known that this was the norm that, it seems well, like they're the just not even found, thinking sometimes. What I found, Cynthia, was is that you couldn't assume that people were going to deduce like you would deduce. And this is, uh, and again, this runs throughout the book, is, is that one of the, two of the things that are, that are, that are uh, intrinsically tied with culture 
or the way people deduct and, and, and the logic that they'll use to, you know, get to... Or the absence of logic. Or, well, unfortunately, that's what I kept finding. Yes, you, you, well, you would assume that people were, but they, but they don't always. And, of course, then the way that, of course, uh, Americans get a little numb to it, and we understand the concept of saving face. But, uh, it, it, as I say, uh, my rule is, is as you travel east off the United States, uh, issues of face rise exponentially as you cross each longitude so that by the time you get to East Europe, Russia, the Middle East, and then Asia, face is really one of the major issues in accomplishing any type of business or getting anything done, whether you need You know, the, that was or. so surprising, too. Now, you, you, you talked a lot about the about bargaining and, you know, how important negotiations are in these other cultures and that you don't ever take a first price. And, of course, your first experience of getting off a plane and grabbing a taxi and paying the equivalent of $60 for a couple-of-dollar ride was your first introduction into you don't pay what they ask. But, <laughs> but it also really did come to... The, the the saving face when you're even dealing with these high officials. I mean, you talk about one person who now you understand is a high official on the Saudi government, so you didn't give his name, but how he point to your face would tell you that, you know, the, it's almost equivalent to the check is in the mail, when in reality he had no intentions of, of paying his bills. That's correct. And what, but he had to save face. It's key for Americans to remember, and hence the kind of the, the title of the book, Lies, Bribes, and Peril. What we've got to understand is, is that there's a different hierarchy of values in different cultures. To our hierarchy of values, lying is at the very top. We all heard about George and the cherry tree. We understand that, uh, you know, we were all told as kids that if you did something wrong, if you lied about it, you got in twice as much trouble. So, unfortunately, other cultures are unlike that because on the hierarchy of values, you know, lying is not good, but there are more important things, and if you have to to protect those values, and I'll give you a great example of one that many people think may be the reason why Osama bin Laden is so successful in, in hiding in uh, Northwest Territories of Pakistan. This is uh, this area is uh, inhabited by this uh, Afghani tribe called the Pashtuns, and Pashtun Wali is their type of logic, and in this logic or behavior thinking, it is. One of the, uh, you must give host to someone who asks for it. So if someone asks for asylum, for instance, in your home or anything like that, it's the ultimate insult to both your friends and your society to turn it down. So consequently, whether you like it, and it's also dishonorable to request it. So one of the reasons Osama bin Laden may be successful in hiding is because in this code of honor of this Pashtun tribe, they must uh, give him asylum because it has been requested. And this is the highest rung in their culture. Consequently, if you were to ask a guy, and if he actually had Osama in his house, and if a you know, coalition forces officer were to come to the door and knock and say, excuse me, but are you hiding Osama bin Laden? He would say no. That would be a lie, but it was because he was protecting a higher rung of a cultural value. So it's the real key here is you whatever you're doing, and you are in so many countries, is you had to understand the values, the culture, the traditions of each individual country because they varied. 
And well, one do. of the things that you found very interesting, or not interesting, very important, was you went with your instinct a lot. When you felt it in your gut, that seemed to be the best answer to many of the solutions that you were seeking. Well, and of course, one of the lessons is, is intuition, and, and I'm a believer in it. I'm not an, I'm not an expert, but what I found is, is in the crazier the environments I was in, and I was in an awful lot of crazy environments. Oh my gosh, you were in ducking bullets, you know. <laughs> from, from, you know, uh, Afghanistan during the Soviet War to Bosnia to Russia after the, uh, breakup of the Soviet Union to then Iraq and Afghanistan. So these are areas that are, are, pretty tenuous, and there's never really good information about doing anything. So I, I did find that, uh, you know, learning to be intuitive and uh, is, is a very important part of making decisions because there's never usually any really good empirical uh, facts that you can lean on to make it. I mean, if there were, I'd say, yeah, absolutely. Right, but no, and you almost have to be there. We're talking about the book Lies, Bribes, and Peril. The author is Ron Cruz. Another very important thing that you uh, really talked about was that there was an analysis paralysis, you thought. Well, we're talking about lies, bribes, and peril, lessons for the real challenges of international business. The author is Ron Cruz. And you can find more information by going to the website, liesbribesandperil.com. It's absolutely a fascinating, a fascinating um, book. And you just can't get over the cholera, all the things that are happening. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and I will be back in just a minute. Stay with us. Listen. Listen. Are you ready? The world is talking. Are you ready? World Talk Radio. Did you know that teens with low self-esteem who feel they don't I can't fit hear in you. are more vulnerable to peer pressure, more likely to have depressive reactions, eating disorders, higher rates of alcohol and drug abuse, criminal involvement, suicide attempts, and be involved with risky behaviors? You can help make a difference by sponsoring this radio program, Be The Star You Are. Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, positive media, and donates positive books to increase literacy. Call 877-944-STAR, S-T-A-R. For more information or visit our website at bethestarur.org. Also, you can make a PayPal donation at www.bethestarur.org. Thank you for helping our youth succeed. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. Are you living your dreams? 
Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. You can be the star you are. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. You're listening to World Talk Radio. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at be the star you are.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, thank you for staying with us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where the world comes to talk and listen. We'll have Ron Cruz back on in just a little bit. Uh, He'll be in our third segment once again. Every decision you make, every decision is not a decision about what to do. It's a decision about who you are. When you see this, when you understand it, everything changes, and you begin to see life in a new way. All the events, occurrences, and situations turn into opportunities to do what you came here to do. That was Neil Donald Walsh that said that with a conversation to God. Well, born in Egypt, the daughter of a beautiful American model and a brilliant, successful Lebanese businessman, Naveen Salvade grew up in an arena of arguments and chaos where discovering your individuality and self-worth was a bit challenging, yet she found it for herself, and her book, Come Passion, is about stretching our intellectual comfort zone and sharing respect and understanding. Welcome, Naveen, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Hello, Cynthia. Well, thank you so much for joining us here. You had such an interesting background. You were born in Egypt. You lived in the Middle East. You went to school in Switzerland. And, of course, now you're living in the United States. Can you tell us a little bit about your parents who had... Such a fascinating background uh, with your mother and father both being from different cultures and and uh, areas of the world about their relationship and your life in Cairo and how it started leading to the thoughts and journaling in your book. Well, 
I was born in Cairo, but we moved to Lebanon or Beirut, Lebanon, and um, I moved there uh, a few years later uh, because of the uh, political situation in Egypt with uh, uh, General Abdel Nasser. Uh, so many people had to leave. Uh, my mother really loved Egypt. Um, Beirut um, was quite stable and a beautiful place to live in. I really, really loved it. And then the war, of course, happened there, the civil war, and things got really bad. But my parents were as opposite as one could get in a situation of marriage. Um, and that's what I really explain in my book. I, I explain first my mother being an only child, uh, absolutely raving beautiful, and her mother wanting her to be an absolute star and um, aiming And grooming for her in that way, treating her like a star and a celebrity, yes. so she grew up that way. Absolutely, yes. She went to a specialized school for, for um, actors and, and, and models in New York. She was born in New York City, half Irish, half Scottish, and um, her parents got along quite well. There wasn't any extreme... Um, problem and that sort of thing. So she she was brought up in a, in a considerably calm environment. Um, my father, on the other hand, was born the first um, in a very um, difficult environment because my grandmother was married off at 14, and that's how things were in those days in, in that culture, and um, had him at 15 and had... Um, eight more siblings after him, two of them uh, had passed on. And so it, it was very different, much more difficult. Uh, the expectations on him were so much more intense than they were for my mother. And then as he grew and he up... And he actually had a, a rather severe childhood, too, because his father, yes. you know, beat him and hit him. And it was, no matter who was right or wrong, it was like your dad took the brunt of it. Well, he was the eldest, and, and that comes with pros and cons in cultures, more southern cultures, where you're, you're uh, the head of the family, so to speak, yet you are responsible for, or, or you have to be way more responsible for your years than, than expected. And it was the time. He was born in 1905. Uh, things were different in those days, and yet my grandfather was extremely intellectual. He had put my brother, excuse me, my father, in, in a French uh, school, which was not really the case in those days, and really wanted all his children to be highly educated. Um, my, my aunt uh, became a pharmacist, etc. So, so that, that was a plus because that was not common for women to get that educated no. either in those days. Absolutely, it was not. And, and, and so there was this facet that continued uh, from my grandfather to my father um, of this, absolute passion, yet a lot of violence that came with it. And so uh, the pros and the cons, and I guess in those days, parenting was a little bit different than it is today, and um, the children were expected to just behave and do whatever was you know, expected of them. And my father was a visionary and had an incredible personality, so it didn't always work um, to his... Well, and your mother and father just clashed, it seemed, on every, you know, on almost every level, because... She really wasn't prepared for any kind of um, chaos in the family or disputes because that's not the way she was raised, where that was your father's modus operandi. And then you, you know, you come along, you're, you're the children and uh, your siblings, and it, it really changed the dynamics of the family. Yes, totally, because my father, I think, realized over the years it was not very easy for him. And, in fact, writing the book, I, I did not want to include my, my parents, but I could not write about um, 
the emotions that I wanted to get to, uh, which in fact is the whole subject of the book, being that we can forgive, we can move forward, and we can change things if we really feel them in the heart. And yet, um, had I not put all that information, I would have not been able to touch people as intimately uh, with that perspective. And I wasn't inclined or obliged to do that. Um, I felt a little bit uncomfortable at first, especially uh, the book is being sold in Beirut, Lebanon, in one of the oldest bookstores there. It's been around for 75 years. And I could just imagine people picking up the book and reading about my parents and thinking, how could she have written about her parents? Because in cultures like that, um, it's a small society. Everybody knows each other. Everybody knew my father, so to speak, in at least his generation. Uh, nowadays, the young group of people that might be reading my book might not even know who he was. But um, it, it was difficult. But, but I their parents would know who he was. The name of the book we're talking about is Calm Passion, C-O-M, Passion, A Journey into Self, Into the Light, and a Path Towards Peace by Naveen Salvade, and it's very, very interesting because it crosses many cultural lines. And one of the things that you really, really discuss in your book is how fear is uh, such a negative thing that it, it, it explodes within us, and it's only when we can accept our differences and disconnect from our obsessions with pride and control and greed and religious fanaticism and materialism that's when we can get to the respect, the compassion, the understanding, and the peace. Correct, yes. But it, it begins with, with um, mental and physical comfort. Um, I, I think, unless you're really enlightened, it is difficult for people who are striving to feed their family or people who are in a situation of physical pain uh, to even start grappling with the, with the emotional pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very important. And so the people who have the physical and, and emotional comfort have to begin or at least start the process of understanding that, that there are reasons why people react and, and in certain ways. And if we can start at least a glimpse of that progress uh, to begin and not say, well, that person is not really getting on that path and why should I do that effort? But what I'm trying to explain in the book is that you don't have to become a masochist and, 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 and let people just treat you in every which way. I just am very, um, I, I really strongly believe that you can make a difference where there is a difference to be made. Now, if, if there is no difference to be made and you become the enabler of the problem, then there's no point continuing on that path. But if you can make a difference in somebody's life or in your perspective and your own life, then it is an incredible journey. It is an incredible journey that I've lived through, and that's what I'm writing in my book, Follow My Journey, because if I've been through it and have achieved what I've achieved, anybody can do it. Well, and you talk a lot about synchronicity. Oh, yes. That it's a big part of our lives. And will you talk about that and how we can look for it, recognize it, you know, and go with the flow when it happens to us? Because so much of, of life is synchronistic, but many people don't see these doors and windows opening, and and they tend to look at things in the negative when there's really a positive outcome that's on the other side of the corner. Yes, well, well uh, simplistically put, I believe in the magic wand. I know it sounds ridiculous. No, I like it. I like that. <laughs> I think it's a great analogy. But I really do, because, um, and I'll give you a very... Um, 
uh, a concrete example, uh, the way I began writing my book, I had no intention ever of writing a book. In fact, I was um, the, the ignoramus of the family. My family was very intellectual, and I was the one that couldn't care less about reading or, or, or even writing. My grammar was terrible in French. We, we were put in French schools. And, and, and yet, uh, in 2001, I was in Burbank, California, and this gentleman comes over, and it was a seminar, and nothing to do with movies or anything of the sort. And he tells me out of the blue, uh, you know, you, you speak to people, and, and people ask me where I'm from, and I always answer the same, that I was born in Egypt, and I'm a little bit of a universal soul. I've lived in different cultures. And he asked me um, to have lunch with him, and one thing led to another, and what he was looking for was a script to a movie. And we got into this incredible adventure of, of doing a movie, and he wanted the story of my life, which I found a little bit strange at first. <laughs> and out of 300 people in the seminar there, he wanted my story. And, and that, for me, is the magic wand. Well, what happened was, because I refused to sell my soul for anything, and anything I've done in life, whether the book or anything else I've done in life, was really done with a soul perspective and absolutely from my heart feeling and not selling my soul for fame or money or anything like that uh, to reach a certain goal. And so we went into this endeavor of making a movie, and the scripts were done, the storyboards were done, and after two years I just felt that it wasn't really getting anywhere really where I felt it was in the hands of or going to be in a genuine way put out there. And since I wasn't famous, I would have had no say at all. And I didn't want a Harry Potter film made out of my book because for me it was very important that the message comes through 100% um, truthfully. And clear. You want your message, not somebody else's life lesson. Exactly, yes. So after two years, I, I was very lucky and... Sadly enough, I had to go through lawyers, but I, it was a good decision. And I stopped the contract, and I was left with all this material I had written. Now, see, the magic wand came in in 2001, yet had I not followed my heart and brought these pages that I had written into a book form, that was the synchronistic moment that I took further. You see, it came into my life, and I made something out of it. And, and I, I self-published because I wanted every word in that book to be mine. And it is, and and I've written that book, and it 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 is from my heart to to the public, and so um, and so that what I think what you're saying here too, and what I get from the book is there are no mistakes no. either. Is that we have to show up and we have to take each step as it comes, and life comes in small moments. Exactly, and 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 it is our choice to to to. Take that moment and make something out of it. And it's a sacred choice. One doesn't have to do it. Uh, for me, it was a difficult choice to put all my private information out there, but I felt it was one that was my path. And the book was called My Path, and what, that's what the movie was called as well, and then I was channeled the title C-O-M, Passion. And for a long time, I didn't quite understand it until I walked into an angel shop in, in uh, Phoenix uh, or in Scottsdale, Arizona, and the lady uh, that owns the shop there looked at me and she said, I see C, which is look, C, Om, which is oneness in, in, in the Sanskrit language, meaning C, peace, Om being one or peaceful, C, peace, and pass it on, C, Om, passion. And I had never seen that in my title, and, and she's right. It, it is exactly... That's what it's about. Yes. Well, and also, OM is something, you know, that when we are meditating, we, that is one of the chants that, that we use, so it, it has a resonance to it. 
And so it really, it made sense when I read about what your title was, you know, how it came. But it's interesting that it was in a shop, that it was somebody else that actually had to see the title and tell you what it was. Well, you've had many um, incredible little moments. Uh, How about when you met Hans and then the whole dog school that uh, you initiated in in, uh, Switzerland? That was such an incredible learning journey. Yes, it was. In fact, that was an absolute synchronistical experience as well. Um, I didn't initiate the school. The school had been there for years. But, uh, it was faltering until you got involved. Yes, no, it was successful, but it was uh, tithering, you know, in the point, at the point where, where, um, this person that I had met that came into my life or that I came into his life, uh, it was a situation of absolute sacred, I find, synchronicity as well, where through our experience, we were able to both wake up or wake each other up and and realize, and that's where fear comes in. You see, where I didn't run away in fear and say, well, I'm not going to put myself through this. This is absolutely ridiculous. And yet, I, I went beyond the fear and said to myself, this is definitely something to learn from. And I put myself through that experience um, in an absolutely spiritual way. Uh, coming absolutely from my heart, and it was an incredibly beautiful experience, and that led everybody involved, I think, to an, an, the next level. And um, so it was really fascinating. It was meant and, to be. Well, yes. I wanted to ask you: Do you have a website that we can send people to, or where do you want people to go to to get this book? Calm Passion. It's C O M. So it's like C O M Passion. A Journey into Life, Into the Light, and a Path Towards Peace. It is by Naveen Salvati, and I want to spell that because it's an unusual name, very beautiful name, N-E-V-I-N-E, and then S-A-L-V-A-D-E. Where should we send people, Naveen? Well, it, it, you can buy it at Barnes & Noble or on Amazon.com. If you Google my name, Naveen Salvadi, you will find all sorts of different links it's on. I'm going to put it on bookhitch.com. Um, and it, it's uh, if you're in Arizona, it's also sold at Changing Hands Bookstore. Uh, so you can get it off. The basically, you can just go and order it at the bookstore. C O M Passion, and then N E V I N E S A L V A D E. And the, I like what you said here. True religions do not impose; they forgive, understand, respect, and certainly do not wage war. Well, thank you so much for being on our show, Naveen, and continue on your journey, and maybe you'll just have to make a movie on your own. Thank you, Cynthia. We'll see. Yes, Yes, we'll see, and keep us posted. (laughs) You're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back in a minute with Danny Wong, a teenage contributor to the new book, Be the Star You Are for Teens. Stay with us. More to come. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting Be the Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Bethestarur.org. Are you living your dreams? 
Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. You can be the star you are. You're listening to World Talk Radio. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestaryouare.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Welcome back here to our Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where every week we bring you the authors, the experts, and the professionals that help you expand and excel in life. Our goal is to increase positive media and literacy and to help each individual realize that you are a star. So embell and go for your star power. You can have it. Well, Be the Star You Are Charity is pleased to announce that our newest book, Be the Star You Are for Teens, Simple Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, Learning, and Leading, will debut in the near future here. The book is for teens, by teens, about teens. And one of the contributors who is also a volunteer at our charity is with us today. It's 16-year-old Danny Wong. She wrote a chapter called The Gift of Faith. Welcome, Danny, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thanks, Cynthia. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so excited. You know, you are the first contributor uh, to be on the show about our new book. So this is a celebration day. Now, you wrote, Danny, about the gift of faith, which is such a very touching story about your father and your relationship and the terrible stroke that he had. Tell us a little bit about why it's so important for everyone, and especially teenagers, to keep the faith and to know that tomorrow can be a brighter day. Well, I think we all face hardships in our life, and sometimes it's hard because I think that people think there's no one out there to relate to. And so part of the reason why I wanted to write this story was to let people know that others are going through the same thing. And just if you keep the faith, you can really get through anything, if you truly believe that you can. And so I know that it's helping me a lot just to have faith, and I'm sure that it will help a lot of other people too. Well, what I really liked about your story, Danny was that you, of course, are talking about something that happened that was unexpected. One day, you know, you're hugging your dad and talking and playing with him, and the next minute he has a stroke and he can't talk, he can't hug you, he can't, he, he, he can't be part of your life. But now that some time has gone by, he's in rehabilitation and he's getting better, but it, took a, it takes a lot of strength and love on the part of your family to keep going, but what I also saw is that this kind of, of 
dedication to keeping the faith and to healing ourselves can be applied to many different situations that we all go through in life. Yes, it truly can. It um, for me, it was just, it was just like um, being able to rebuild my relationship with him after something this massive happened. But you really can apply it to anything, like big or small, any problem that you face. Danny, how did it change you as a person? I am sure that now you don't take life for granted. I mean, all of us, you know, just think that every day is going to be a great day or that all the people we love are going to be around us forever. But you you know firsthand that one second everything can change. Yes, exactly. Um, It's not that I took things for granted before, but I think I didn't really have, like, a true appreciation for everything in my life and... Now, after my dad had this stroke and that I've, like, um, been getting to see him um, get well again, I think it's really made me enjoy every moment that I have with him and just be able to appreciate, like, a lot of the things that I used to take for granted. Well, and probably not, it's probably affecting other parts of your life, too. It, it, I imagine that you enjoy other people even more and you don't, you know, you look at everybody with a different light and every opportunity with a different light. Would that be... Is that part of it? Yeah, exactly. That's a big part of it. I think that now I try to find something good in everyone. And um, even, like, sometimes I'll have bad days and everything. I'm sure everyone does. But it's really good to try to find the positive in every situation. Absolutely. Well, you're also a volunteer at Be The Star You Are Charity, and we're so happy to have you. You're very dedicated and hardworking. And one of the things that you wrote in your bio is that your goal is to make a positive difference in the world. And, of course, your story will impact other people to have faith. But why do you think it's so important to volunteer or to get involved with nonprofits or charities and, you know, give of yourself to help other people? I think it's really important because a lot of people um I mean, we're very lucky in the society that we live in. We have access to a lot of different resources and really um, are living great lives, but there are also some other people that might not have access to, like one of the things that this charity does, which I think is great, is gives books and donates books to um, help kids be able to read. And so I think that it's just really important to give back to your community, and it just gets a great cycle going because if people can be positive and, like, empowered to – bring change to their communities and their people, too. Well, I honor the fact, Danny, that you're so young and you've got such a positive message. And, of course, that's the message of the book is that teens are important. Teens can make a difference. And especially when we all get together and decide that we want to create a better world, that we have the power. You know, teens have the power. And it's time that we start getting better press for our youth of, the, of America and uh, that way they'll step up to the plate to make things better. Exactly. I think that um, sometimes it's a little intimidating to try to go out there and make a difference um, since you're just one person, but just like you said, it's true that um, if you get a lot of people to contribute to a cause or even if you just get your message out there, you really can make a change. Well, Danny, you are wonderful. Thank you for being a contributor. Thank you for making a difference in the world. and. 
just keep up this incredible giving back that you're doing through your volunteerism. I know that everyone who is a recipient of your kindness appreciates it, and what a, a great role model you are for teens. So you can find out more about Danny at BeTheStarYouAre.org. Danny, thank you so much for uh, being with us. We're going to go back to Ron Cruz, who is the author of Lies, Bribes, and Peril, Lessons for the Real Challenges of International Business. Ron, are you there? <laughs> I'm partially there, right? Well, I'm sorry that we got cut off a little bit earlier. We were right in the middle of a conversation talking about some of the lessons that, that you have learned through your international travels and work. And it, it has to be challenging to do business around the country, especially in the mud, as you call it, in the third world countries. But one of the things that you were saying that was very crucial is part of uh, resolution is just showing up. Well, it, and certainly in terms of uh, solving problems, and, of course, I stumbled upon this quite accidentally. And, you know, I, I'd always known and I'd heard that somebody had said that 80% of success is showing up. And, you know, it's funny, I never, I never really knew who it was. <laughs> I love it who it was. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept finding this to be true. Um, anyway, I, I was... I would just show up and problems seemed to kind of dissipate or they were not as I as expected. And sure enough, as I looked into it, I found that it was none other than Woody Allen. Uh, the great philosopher, Woody the, Allen. The but you know philosopher how of our true day. that was. You had many circumstances where it appeared on the surface that there was a very, very big disagreement or problem or something, but when you got there, it literally was a misunderstanding of some sort that had really nothing to do with your company, but by your presence there, it changed everything. Well, and what I found, and I, and I found it uh, dozens of times uh, through my career, what can happen, particularly when you're dealing with uh, other countries, other cultures, there's, you know, dealing over the phone is just not the same as, as you know, shaking hands with somebody and sitting down across from a desk. And what, what you find is, is that there's little pieces of information that may have been misconstrued that either didn't make it through an email or a telephone conversation. And as you go through it, you find, well, the problem's really not as represented, but really the problem grew out of the misrepresentations. Well, and I think that, so, oh, that is a real issue, too, when you can't see somebody's eyes, you know, and you can't see them face-to-face. And you had some very, um, well, I would say they're rather frightening and different experiences in the former USSR when it went to Russia in finding that the people that held the power tended to be the janitors. They were the ones that had the keys to the building. Well, as of course you know, um, uh, when, it, when, the, when the government turned upside down, there was no ownership of anything. And there's a story in the book where uh, I rented my first office, and, and it would where it is today is, is very much like uh, being Rockefeller Center, where it is in St. Petersburg. But basically, nobody owned the building, and, and just trying to get my head around that. And then I had to get my head around the fact that the guy who actually was in charge of the building was the janitor who had been there when the government collapsed. See, and that I, I, when I read that, too, I had to reread it. I was like, you had to pay the janitor the rent for five years in advance? I mean, it, so basically the people who were... Had taken care of the buildings were the ones that had the keys to the kingdom. They became the pseudo landlords. Pseudo landlords. Right. Well, and also the the frightening. You didn't really know a lot of who you were dealing with there in Russia. 
In fact, your company was one of the first companies that could get anything done. I mean, between KGB and, and mafia and CIA infiltration, et cetera, and, and one of your partners was actually assassinated, uh, although it seems to be determined that it was for personal reasons as opposed to business. One of the other lessons, and so one of the things when anybody travels, you need to be conscious of, of the fact that legal systems can be so very, very different. And as as we move around the world, I think people understand that, but they think maybe Americans will get special dispensation. Uh, in fact, we don't. And, and the systems, what I call is the law of the land. You've got to understand the law of the land, and very much of it may be informal. And there, I spent so many time, uh, so much time. In, in emerging countries, and many people may call them even banana republics, but uh, what you've got well, to you know, it, it, that's so true. I mean, um, when I read this about Sergi's assassination, I mean, I had, we have a neighbor here who also did business in Russia, and he actually had to get out right in the early 90s because his partner was assassinated, and he probably, it was business related, and it probably, he would have, might have been next. And uh, so he related how frightening that was. I, I also wanted to just touch on this hex, that uh, the, the whole power of superstitions in some cultures. So the, the, you know, you had that experience of trying to get on the plane and couldn't get on the plane, and uh, that was a frightening thing. But there are superstitions you have to know when you're doing business as well. Well, and, and really that came under the guise that really it was a negotiation, but who would know that the negotiation that would win us a, a seat onto this plane was the fact that the agent was superstitious. And as come to find out, and I'd known, but Russians tend to be, they're kind of superstitious people. They're very family-oriented, but in any event, uh, they know all of the, you know, throw the salt over the shoulder and knock on wood things. But we weren't getting on this plane for, for no good reason, and... Uh, I told my partner, I said, I don't speak enough Russian to say something mean to her. I said, would you please say something to her that would that would be mean and nasty? And he turned and he said something to her. I softened. All of a sudden, she removed this gate and she let us through. And what was what I thought was very fascinating about that too is that your partner, when you looked at him, you felt definite that he was actually putting a hex on her, and she knew it was going to happen. So he opened the she opened the gate. So that was interesting. Uh, another point in your business that you made out is the importance of keeping a poker face. It's like a poker game. Uh, how, I mean, how do you, you're how, keeping face and then kind of not putting all your cards on the table, was that, a, was that difficult or is that difficult? Well, it, it, it can be, Cynthia. The, the, the point being is, is that you, you really kind of want to let things evolve is, is more the point there. And, you want to keep your emotions in check because you're not quite sure what may result in a face-losing issue for the other side. So you, you, you really want to keep them from losing face because in most other cultures, once you cross the pond here going east, if somebody loses face, you're going to lose because either a deal doesn't get done or something. Well, and that also means you have to have a lot of patience because just as with your negotiations for the art or the rug, how you would have to walk out many times. You would, you know, decide a price. No, they wouldn't take it. You'd have to leave. And one time you mean you left for a whole year. When you come back, you're still negotiating. Yeah, that's right. And it's, well, from a negotiating standpoint, from a lesson standpoint, one of the things that you always have and you have to, the lesson in the book is to look for leverage. 
And, and the minimum leverage you walk into every deal with is that you can walk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, you really have to be willing to walk away from it, and that is always your leverage. If you walk into any deal, no matter what it is, buying a car or buying a company, if you don't feel you can walk away from it, you've lost some leverage right away. Right, right. And then you well, need to look for other book, avenues of leverage. Your book is just fascinating, and right now we're only talking about the business things, but the the experiences you had from that taxi ride in Dakar to the scams in, in uh, Nigeria to the sharks on the beach <laughs> and Mogadishu, uh, it's just an amazing, amazing, amazing book. Your cholera epidemic that happened in Almaty. The book we're talking about, Lies, Bribes, and Peril, Ron Cruz, pick it up. It is truly lessons for the real challenges of international business, but it is so peppered with exciting, exciting travel adventures that will help everyone. The website is www.liesbribesandperil.com. Ron, thank you so much for coming on the show and, and uh how has Debbie? How's Debbie's Russian, by the way, now? <laughs> yeah. Well, from that experience, Cynthia, she stopped working on it. How <laughs> <laughs> you had said that on the book, but that was so great. You'll get a lot of good laughs in this book too. So you can learn business for international as well as travel with Ron, a real life uh, a swashbuckler, I would say. So thank you, Ron, and thank you for being part of Be the Star You Are. It has really been great having you on the show and reading your book. It was a pleasure, Cynthia, and I am thrilled that you liked it. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thanks so much for joining us here every single week where the authors and experts come to talk and and show their books and interests to you. We hope you've had a good time. I know that we have. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org and Star-Style.com. Until we celebrate next week, I am Cynthia Bryan, hoping you'll all be the stars you are. We'll talk next week. Thanks for joining me. Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are nonprofit corporation, please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. That's BeTheStarYouAre.org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on World Talk Radio Studio A. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're a seeker, a dreamer, courage to give. Every special part of you You're an artist, a poet who will never give up So make all your dreams come true Let go of your fears You traveled much too far Show the world your smile Be the star you are Show the whole wide world your smile 
Oh uh-huh.